God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Perhaps we need a, uh, a sales pitch, a new marketing plan for laundry detergent. Whiter than any launderer can bleach them, Transfiguration brand laundry soap. <laughs> Intensely white, radiant, brighter than anyone on earth could bleach them. Jesus takes the inner circle, three of his maybe favorites, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Mark is so matter-of-fact. Something miraculous, something brilliant, something incredible happens, and he simply says, he was transfigured before them. There it is. What does this mean? He was transfigured. He became radiant and shining with white light, brighter than anyone could bleach his robes. His face shone with the glory of God. The word transfigured, it's the same word for what those little wormy caterpillars go through. They crawl into a, a chrysalis to emerge the other side the moth or a butterfly. It's to be metamorphosed, to be changed, for your figure to be transferred from one thing to another. Jesus was transfigured before them there on the mountain. How much we long to have that mountaintop experience with God, with our faith, to have it lift it up, to have the, the vision of something so bright and gleaming and glorious that we're strengthened and we're elated with what we see and with what we experience. To have a true mountaintop experience that buoys us for the dark days of valley life that seem to occupy our time on this side of eternity. Maybe you've had one of those mountaintop experiences, uh, a worship service so full of wonderful music that it just brings you to elation. Or a time that you've encountered the Scriptures in a place or in a way that made them so profound to you so as to change your life. Perhaps you have come to faith later in life, being baptized or being confirmed as an adult. Maybe that was your mountaintop experience, the time when you felt at the height of your faith. For Peter, James, and John, maybe this was, in fact, their mountaintop experience, literally on a mountaintop, as Jesus is transfigured before them. And the glory which He has hidden in the flesh of man, as God in man, He chooses to reveal to them a little bit, for a little time, to shine with the glory of heaven that we will one day know and see face to face. So he takes them up. He takes them up and he is transfigured before them and they catch a glimpse of the eternal glory of God. But wait, there's more. They look around and what do they see? Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. What is this? Why Moses? Why Elijah? 
They are there. Having a conversation with Jesus, Moses, maybe the easy answer. Moses is the embodiment and the epitome of the law. He delivered to God's people the Ten Commandments, written in stone by God's own hand. He wrote the first five books of Scripture, the Pentateuch, the the Law of Moses, the books of Moses. And so with Jesus standing there with Moses, the epitome of the lawgiver, something is being fulfilled. And add to Jesus and Moses, you have also Elijah, the epitome of prophecy. The prophet Elijah, he had his own mountaintop experience. On Mount Carmel, he proved that God is the only true God as the true God sent down fire and the prophets of Baal were consumed and the the offering was consumed and the prophets of Baal were then done away with. Elijah, though he didn't write his own book, was the greatest of the preaching prophets caring for the people of Israel, the faithful ones. So there on the Mount of Transfiguration, you have the law and you have prophecy. and With them, you have Jesus. It all starts coming together then. And Peter, well, Peter just doesn't know when to keep his mouth closed, I guess. I take a little comfort in that, maybe, you know. He engages his mouth before his brain. Moses and Elijah are there. They're talking with Jesus. And Peter says to Jesus, Wait, Peter, who, who asked you a question? Nobody's talking to you, Peter. But Rabbi, it's good, for, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say. They were terrified. I think I would be terrified as well to suddenly catch a glimpse of the eternal heavenly glory of God, the brightness that is heaven and God's own face, me, a sinner, there in the presence of the divine, I too would be terrified. I would not know how to answer. Thankfully, no one has asked me a question. So I'll remain silent in the divine glory of God and take it in and rejoice that God would choose to reveal Himself and his son, Jesus. Let us make three tents. But Peter, we don't need three tents. Moses and Elijah, they won't stay. They have their time in heaven. It is only Jesus that you need. Jesus is all you need. Because he is the epitome and the embodiment of the glory of God. Moses and Elijah, I think we have another little insight. Can I share that with you? We have Moses and Elijah. Moses, who died. And Elijah, who did not. Think about that for a moment. Elijah, we heard the account of his delivery into heaven apart from death. Rather, the fiery chariots, the the horses of Israel and their chariots, the, the fiery chariot takes him into heaven, not having tasted death. Moses, on the other hand, surely did taste death, buried by God's own hand before entering the promised land. 
and nobody knows where his grave is. So ends the book of Exodus. Well, friends in Christ, on the last day, when you see Jesus in his greatest glory, not just a glimpse of the radiance that they have on the Mount of Transfiguration, but the eternal radiance which we will know for all time as he comes back again to judge the living and the dead. Aha! There we have it. The living and the dead. On that last day, some of us will have died and been buried. Like the wormy little caterpillars will have crawled into our chrysalis, the tomb, and we will there, our bodies will remain. But some will be alive on that day when Christ returns and will enter into the eternal heavenly bliss, never having tasted death, just like Elijah. So on the last day, we have what we have on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus in his fullest glory, those who have died before his arrival, and those living when he has come, all there in the presence of Christ. None will be excluded. None will be missed. All who have faith in Christ, the living and the dead, will be in the presence of the eternal glory of God. We find great comfort in that. We find a great glimpse of the eternal days there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So for Peter, James, and John, they have their mountaintop experience. They they're dumbfounded. They're silent in the face of God. And, and Peter speaks up and he not, doesn't know what to say and he says something foolish. And Well, God just sets everything right. Because friends in Christ, those times in life when you don't know what to say, when we're faced with the glory of God, with the magnificence of God, when we're faced with Jesus and are just simply left speechless, Hear the word of God. A cloud overshadows them and a voice comes out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter, don't speak. Just listen. Friends in Christ, don't speak. Just listen. Listen to God's beloved son. Listen to Jesus. It's as though God is saying, Peter, be quiet. Hear what Jesus has for you because he will tell you about his suffering and his death, about his resurrection that he will accomplish to bring you into this eternal glory. Friends in Christ, listen to what Jesus has for you because he needs no one, you need no one else other than Jesus only. Hear him as he says to you, you are forgiven. Hear him as he says to you, you are saved. Your shame and your guilt are set aside and forgiven in my cross, in my death, in my resurrection. Because Jesus will not remain there on the Mount of Transfiguration to, to glow and shine with all His glory. He cannot remain there on that mountain. He will come down and travel to another mountain, to Calvary, where He will die on the cross and take away your sins and grant to you the glory of heaven and that eternal brightness that will never be extinguished. Yes, the Mount of Transfiguration is fantastic, but it is not your mountaintop experience. 
The mountaintop experience is not the Mount of Sinai filled with God's law. No, your mountaintop experience is the cross of Calvary where your Savior Jesus is, shows His glory not in the brightness of His shining, but in the agony of His death for you and for your forgiveness. Where His clothes and His face are not white, brighter than anyone could bleach them, but they are crimson with the blood of the Lamb who takes away all our sins. And now, the people of God, we make our robes white by being washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are washed in the waters of Jesus. We are fed the body and blood of Jesus. And that glory, the magnificence glimpsed at the Mount of Transfiguration, is promised to you for all eternity. That is the faith in which we have our confidence. That is the gift which Jesus gives to you. And that is God's greatest glory. That is to what we can all join in jubilant shouts of thanksgiving and singing, Alleluia! Alleluia! Because God has set us free. Praise be to God! Alleluia! Because Jesus is not dead any longer, but is the living One. Yes, Christ is the living One. So now as we're on the, the cusp of the season of Lent, we set aside the joy of Alleluia, we rejoice in the repentance of the forgiveness of sins that God gives to us. And then after our 40 days journey through the season of Lent, we shall meet it again. We shall meet again on the day of our Lord's resurrection and meet one another with that foretaste of the eternal glory and the, the, the radiance that is eternity. And we'll greet one another with those familiar words. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. That is God's greatest glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.